Here's the thing. Saving money with Geico is almost better than playing pickup basketball. Because there's always that guy who joins your game. He never passes the rock, he constantly bricks threes, and he'll completely hack you and then put his hands up and say, no foul, no foul. With GEICO, it's easy to switch and save on car insurance. No need to fake an ankle sprain because you're absolutely exhausted. So switch and save with GEICO. It's almost better than sports. Dear Young Rocker is more than just a podcast about music. It's a memoir of how it feels to survive high school when you don't fit in and the freeing feeling of picking up a guitar for the first time. It's also advice for anyone who is or was young and has ever felt weird or alone. Dear Young Rocker is written and narrated by me, Chelsea Erson, executive produced by Jake Brennan, and comes to you from Double Elvis Productions. Listen to Dear Young Rocker on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. everybody and welcome to mini crush wednesday it's weird when you say that when we're recording on wednesday but these come out on monday <laughs> i know it's it's like an inside joke or is it it's a peek <laughs> behind the curtain that's what we call that yeah yeah i, I should probably say mini crush monday because that sounds better anyway but uh who knows it I'm does not... have the alliteration going for it <laughs> that's true and I am not at all organized we just started recording uh recording and nolan and i just did like four bong hits each it was one and a half. <laughs> but between us, it was three. I wonder if people do that now in states where marijuana is legal. I'm not sure, man. I like don't just know. Bring their bong to work. Well, you know the. I don't know if I should tell this at the uh, <laughs> at the LA offices that we have. They have a How Stuff Works bong. What? There. Yeah, it's on the the Daily Zeitgeist page. No way. Uh-huh. It's branded? I mean, it's or got... Or it's just in the office? No, it's like a... It's at least got the Daily Zeitgeist logo on it. Somebody told me that it had the... Uh, wow. It maybe had the, you know, How Stuff Works logo on it as well. Man, good for them. Let's leave out there. It's fine. Absolutely. It's not against the law, people, in California. All right. Oh, I just noticed someone on the Movie Crushers page. Let's go ahead and just start with a random call out. Mark Nowak just said, I've never noticed how much Noel looks like a younger Chuck. You've heard that before. Hey, I mean, we look more like each other than I look like, you know, Except Josh. I have a problem with this idea that every heavyset dude with a beard and like a certain hair color or hair, you know, style looks sure. the same as every other one. Because yeah. there was were years where I either got Jack Black or Zach Galifianakis, depending on what movie was out <laughs> at the time. And I'm sure you've been there, Chuck. I got Jack Black a lot back in the day when I lived in L.A. because at one point I had my hair kind of long and shaggy. Uh, and then... Um, let me see who, oh, well, of course, Kevin Smith, which always just bugged the shit out of me. Oh, I've got that one too. Yeah. Or they would call me Lunchbox, like, which is, uh, I guess the nickname for Silent Bob, Lunchbox. <laughs> That's what they call him in the movie. That's what Jay calls him. Okay. Jay is kind of a dick. He's fat shaming. Well, Jay is one to do whatever he wants. That's exactly right. All right. So I got active on the Facebook page last night, everyone, and left this stuff up overnight for a change. So we have way more responses for some of this stuff than uh, we need. So I'll read as many as we can, and maybe if it feels right, I'll print it out, and we can read all of them over time like I sometimes do. So, uh, Noel, 
Let's start. I think we started with a uh, social studies this week. Social studies on movie crush. And I posed this question because, frankly, I wanted some recommendations. So this is selfish. Uh, one of my favorite genre of movies is political thriller. Like the Pelican Brief? Yeah, but All of them are based on John Grisham books? Yeah, I've never seen Pelican Brief, though. What it's about, like, you know, uh, what, The Firm? I did see The Firm. Is that considered, that's not really, that's, these are more legal thrillers that I'm thinking yeah, of. Yeah. You're thinking I, more of like uh, A I'm Few think, Good Men, maybe? Or Yeah, sure. Like, Yeah. I would lump in obviously things like all the president's men and stuff like that, but I, w- I would I would broaden that category or like to Manchurian Candidate or legal thrillers. Know. There sure. we go. So Grisham is That's included fine. in this bubble. I'm sure, and I already see people on this question are saying things like Star Wars Episode One. It's not what I'm talking about. Captain that's, America. That's thinking deeper about it, though. Star Wars, there's a political system in place in the Star Wars universe. No, you know? I get it. Trust me. But this is not a uh, thread to argue what's a political thriller. I just want some good wrecks. And we'll start because he played by the rules with uh, Brad Honey, All the President's Men. It's exactly what I was thinking. Great movie. Uh, Adrian Melendez says, uh, Charlie Wilson's War. I never saw that. Did you? I, I see it popping up a lot on the lists and um, on the on the group, but I have not. I know that uh, Tom Hanks is in it and plays some sort of politician yeah. named Charlie Wilson. <laughs> he is going to hazard a guess. <laughs> uh, Melinda uh, Balacaloyo. <laughs> That's tough, dude. You're going to have to give that one another go. It's actually uh, Bacaleo. There you go. Or Bacalo. Uh, she says, um, did the Hunt for Red October and Patriot Games count? I, see, I will put those on the fringe, like uh, Cold War movies. Sure. Okay. Interesting, because I would totally. I would think. I didn't know what Patriot Games is about, but I just in my head assume <laughs> that is a political thriller, because that seems squarely in the Grisham. Clancy is who I'm thinking of. He's the other oh, writer sure. that writes all the. the yeah, political he, uh, thrillers. he's Hunt for Red October. I think. There you go. Yeah. All that uh, is he Jack Ryan? All that stuff. Jack Reacher. No, not Jack Different. Reacher. Different. Okay. I haven't seen those movies. I heard those are good. Uh, the, the first one, the one Werner Herzog as the villain's pretty great. What? Yeah, he's just doing like peak Werner Herzog. Oh, well, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think it's the sequel. All right, I'm going to watch that in an hour and a half. Uh, Kristen Bitsagai, our buddy, says The Constant Gardener in the Pelican Brief, uh, and also Mississippi Burning. All right. I thought you were going to say Mrs. Doubtfire for a second. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, Jonathan Cooley says The Contender with Joan Allen. Uh, that is a good movie. I totally agree. Uh, Andy McClenahan says The American President. Never saw that. Michael Douglas? Nope. As the president. Mm-mm. I think that's sort of a rom-com. I wouldn't call that a political thriller. Really? Yeah. I think it, the, the What's it called again? The American president, and I think the heart of the storyline is oh, yeah, there's his a love story, romance, That's yeah. Right. With, uh, I do. This does ring a bell. Annette Bening, uh, Bridge of Spies from Brandon uh, Favory. That's when they got past me. I need to check that out. Uh, the Spielberg movie. Uh, Zach Pointer says a few good men uh, with our old friend Kevin Pollock, of course. Uh, <laughs> election. Sophia Fernandez. Does that count? Is she talking about the? Reese Witherspoon. Matthew yeah, Goddard no, comedy? that definitely counts. Is it political thriller? Well, I mean, it's a satire, <laughs> but it absolutely is satirizing the political system, and then involves kind of like. But it's not a thriller. It gets a little crazy. <laughs> does it get a little stalky at some point in that movie? Why does no one understand this question? I, I think it's a wonderful question. It's, it's just you know very open ended, which is it's a good thing. Uh, no, you're right. I get that. Allison Gallagher, our uh, old pal, and thank you, Allison, for the uh, coffee mug that you sent. Uh, Enemy of the state. Pretty good movie. 
The funny thing is, is a lot of these just run together for me, and I can't because they're a lot of them are from like you know. 20 years ago, I guess, and I maybe saw him when I was a kid. Yeah. But I don't remember much about, like, I don't I don't know what Patriot Games is about. I'm confusing it with, like, Air Force One in my head, mm, where I, Harrison Ford played the president. Yeah, you know? but he was sort of just the president, Jack Ryan the president, sort of, you know? Oh, okay. Oh. I mean, it wasn't, but it might as well have I been. See. I see. It was the same kind of character. It was Harrison Ford grimacing and shouting occasionally. He's great at that. He is. Uh, you know, here's an, I'm going to go ahead and go another, uh, and apologize to the first gentleman who said Captain America Winter Soldier because William Angus and a couple of other people have mentioned it. it. It is a political thriller, just a Marvel version of that. That one in particular, right? Yeah. For I mean, sure. it feels like it was a lot of wartime stuff and intrigue and backroom deals and stuff going on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, Celeste. Uh, Canageiter, great name. Argo, very good movie. Yeah. I enjoyed Argo. Uh, let me just go through a couple of more of these. Manchurian Candidate from Jason DeLong. Uh, another Pelican Brief vote uh, from Zach Lowe. Uh, Lisa Romano, uh, Being There. Yeah, not a political thriller, but definitely a, a movie with some politics in it. Yeah, there wasn't much thriller in that. It was more just a political stuff happens and weird kind of psychedelic movie where yeah yeah the magic dude played by peter peter <laughs> sellers hutch allen says the ides of march i have not seen that yet uh munich yes cory mall love that movie did you ever see munich Mm-mm. well that's a that good was one. a spielberg though right that wasn't that like mm-hmm. a later latter day spielberg yeah it's a good one uh 13 days underrated film says kevin herbon another winter soldier vote from matt kramer uh the born identity uh trent moore yeah i'll go there Sure, why not? The first one. Political thriller. And then it was the supremacy. You, they just kept changing the second I word. I, I can't keep them all straight. I think that's, that's, how, that's how they do. Uh, Zero Dark Thirty. Boy, I love that movie. David uh, Gobert or Gobert. I'm, I'm not sure if that counts as a political thriller. So what, that's the thing, though, Chuck. <laughs> what makes it a thriller, dude? Does it have to have some sort of like oh. evil overlord pulling the strings? or like? There's so much crossover between like I would or consider. Or a heist of some kind. I don't or know. Well, like Zero Dark Thirty. It's not a war movie, or is it? Well, that's the thing. Like, they're kind of like it's it's more spy stuff than it is like battlefield stuff. So that to me, is, yeah. I think of intrigue. You know, whereas a war movie, it's more just like on About, the ground, suffering sure. people out in the in the action. You know, so well, our friends at uh, Friendly Fire podcast that we just recently released their platoon special, they definitely get into a lot of. Uh, debates about what constitutes a war movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have people on our very own page with uh, a poll section that said, a few people said Apocalypse Now is not a Vietnam War movie. Well, that's absurd. I mean, it obviously yeah, it's is. Not, it doesn't show ground battles, but it's about a, <laughs> a during the war in Vietnam, an American group of American soldiers and one in particular going to get a rogue American officer. That's right. In Vietnam, during Vietnam. So it's a Vietnam War movie. It's just not about the battle of whatever. I agree, but, but based on the way you just described it, it's more of a political thriller, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn you, everybody. Here's the thing. Saving money with Geico is almost better than playing pickup basketball. Because there's always that guy who joins your game. He never passes the rock. He constantly bricks threes, and he'll completely hack you and then put his hands up and say, no foul, no foul. With GEICO, it's easy to switch and save on car insurance. No need to fake an ankle sprain because you're absolutely exhausted. So switch and save with GEICO. It's almost better than sports.
Hey, it's Ben, Henry, and Marcus, hosts of the last podcast on the left. Our show's dedicated to uncovering hilariously horrifying stuff. And now we're only on Spotify. Join us. If you want. Obviously, we'd never force anyone to just blindly join us. That'd be crazy. But if you like stories about doomsday cults who do exactly that and more, please join us on Spotify. Visit Spotify.com slash last podcast to listen free. All right, I'm moving on from that one. <laughs> but there, everyone, there are 200-plus uh, recommendations now. So Yeah, check it out on the Movie Crushers. You can join it. I think all you have to do is say Chuck's name, and then you'll be a member. That's right. Actually, this is on the Movie Crush page. Oh, my And not bad. Movie Crushers, my but bad. I am going to do something a little different this week. And for uh, Trope Time, which is right now, I noticed that the Movie Crushers were posting tropes in a thread – so uh, I'm just going to go on over there and read straight from the horse's mouth. That's not what you've been reading from this whole time? No, it's I, will gotten usually, huge. I will usually ask for tropes oh. on the Movie Crush page. This is our buddy uh, Jill Hurley. Yeah. Just has a tropes thread. She pinned it. So and it's just gathering tropes. Yeah, there's like 262 tropes, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, totally. All right, so Movie Crushers, thanks for your activity. Let's get it going with Amanda Wright. Action a Movie Climax. Uh, you sure you want to do this? What choice do we have? Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah, and that can, that can involve several situations. One of them could be they're cutting a, a wire on a, like a bomb or something, you know, and then it's yeah. like the tension over, are you sure that's the one you want to cut? Right. Yes, <laughs> definitely is. Or maybe they switch it up at the last minute and cut well, the other one. Sure, there's never, there's literally never been a uh, a bomb uh, diffusing scene right. where there wasn't, there wasn't a sweaty moment over right. a wire cutter yeah. and it's a great. wire cutter. That's great. I love it. Uh, William Angus says, women in jeopardy, and then he has a bit of a paragraph after that, but just say women in jeopardy because... That's all you need to know. That's a total trope. Well, the trope, I think they actually use the word peril and they call them whips. And it's like a uh, woman in like, peril. Yeah. That, that, that's just like a tried and true. Who calls them that? Like Z- Daryl Zanuck? Movie people, Chuck. Oh, from like the 30s? Or they I still guess so. That? I think it's just like a screen. Or I don't know. I've always just heard it as like whip, whips. Like for me, I, I guess I think of like, like I think of, yeah, stuff. or I think of like schlocky kind of um, B movies, you know, uh-huh. where like that were kind of exploitation movies involving women, you know, where it's kind of the the, the damsel in distress, probably yeah. a little overplayed, but that's, yeah, I mean, sure. maybe it's an outdated term. I don't know. Uh, oh, I'm sure it is. Uh, Brad uh, Honey says, oh, he's uh, very active here. Thanks, Brad. Uh, establishing that someone is a bad guy by having him kick a dog. I don't know if I've ever seen that. Have you? I mean, maybe not kick, but definitely kill. Just be mean. Well, for sure. Well, I mean, there's there's just been a handful. You know, that's that's definitely a trope where, where you see someone's come home and the dog is dead. And you know right. that the crazy person's in the house. So unnecessary. Yeah. Don't yeah. do that, people. Uh, Joe Kimber, this is a good one says, uh, someone calls and says, turn on the news, and they change the channel, and you see, like, the whole story from the beginning. That's a really good one. That happens all the time. Good one, Joe. Uh, Sean McDonald, every movie trailer that has a slowing down, powering down sound. Yeah, that's a mis-overused sound effect, for sure. Yeah, but, I mean, it's mm. it's effective. You know, you're talking about, like, some kind of time machine or some kind of, like, device or yeah, spaceship, so. you know? Uh-huh. I mean, they got to get those sound design guys to do something cool. Yeah. Uh, Austin Debsky says, does Chuck know about this group? (laughs) So I thought I'd read that, Austin. That's funny. Uh, Let me see. Chris Sweeney uh, in war movies, when the man gets his papers to go home, 
where he's just gotten news that his wife had a kid equals death sentence. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Megan Daly, character, walks into an auction and waves to someone accidentally bidding on a super expensive item. That's good. I'm not sure if that's full trope level, but uh, that's probably been done more than once. That's a good one. It's funny. Absolutely. But what? I don't want a yacht. I think that actually happened on Friends. Uh, Joey bought something, a boat, I believe, by accident. And then he was surprised or just regretted his decision? I don't know. Or maybe he bought it on purpose and regretted it. Or maybe he didn't know he had to pay for it. I don't know. Joey was a dumb Because he's stupid. That's sort of the, <laughs> that's, that's the joke about Joey. Uh, Kevin Herbon again says, uh, badass says, hey, expert in your field, how much time do you need to solve this problem? Expert, six hours. The badass, you've got three. Yeah, it's like <laughs> pop quiz hot shot from, uh, from Speed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's the quintessential, that thing that you just described, the whole relationship between Dennis Hopper's character uh-huh. as the mad bomber and Keanu Reeves trying to solve his, you Yeah, know, yeah. His... I think they were kind of poking at that trope a little bit. Oh, right yeah. I, I guess that was one of the first ones where it was a little a little tongue-in-cheek, right? Yeah, Because that was so. in the era of a little bit more self-awareness around that kind of stuff yeah, in, I mean, in Hollywood. A, they even had the... The baby. They pulled out all the stops. They had the baby uh, cri- or uh, carriage That's right. scene, which That's is right. a total trope, mm-hmm. and I think it was like ten cans or something. Yeah, I or remember aluminum cans. That's funny. I actually rewatched the beginning of Speed recently for just uh, just the very like first. It's a pretty good movie. Yeah, it's, it's good. I enjoyed it. Is that like Jerry Bruckheimer? Uh, no, that was uh, was that Jan de Bont? It was indeed Jan de Bont. Ah, of Twister, and I believe. What else? Did he do one of the bad Batman movies, or was that all Joel Schumacher? I'm confusing well, the two. Well, uh, he was a DP for many years and may have been a DP for Joel Schumacher on some stuff, and then he eventually was a director. What's he been doing lately? I'm looking right now. Anything? He's been laughing boisterously if his IMDb picture has any indication. <laughs> Good for oh, him. Oh, he did uh, – I mean, he's, he's produced a lot of stuff, it looks like. A lot of like uh, big stuff like uh, Minority Report and The Haunting. But as far as directing – Oh, he's a lot of cinematography credits. Wow. <laughs> five five directing credits. Oh, he did a Tomb Raider movie in huh. 2003. That's the last thing oh, he wow. did. And it Directed. wasn't even like the Tomb Raider movie. It was like yeah, yeah. the Tomb Raider, the yes, cradle of life. <laughs> we should have a new show just called Noel and Chuck Poke Around IMDb. I mean, that's kind of what the show is. Right? <laughs> oh, no, we're poking around IMDb and the, the Facebook groups, so. We're poking uh, around places. <laughs> All right, back to some tropes here. Mary uh, Sheehane says, a body falling out of a closet and the obligatory uh, screaming woman. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Leah Bush says, you got heart, kid. Yeah, something. Surely that was only said one time in a single movie. and Everyone just assumes <laughs> it's been said in every other movie. Well, and she may even mean the spirit of that line. An equivalent. I got you. Yeah. yeah. Or at least that's, I'm going to go ahead and speak for Leah. It's like a relationship between a mentor and like a student. It happens at the end of like a montage training sequence or yeah, something. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill, uh, Bill Steele says the foot chase through a busy kitchen. Oh, to- no, yeah. yes, yes, yes. And, and always the guy spinning with the tray. Ah, pots and pans <laughs> everywhere. And, the, and you know, it's always like a run and gun, like super, because it's a tight space. Yeah. And a lot of times it'll involve if there's like a fight that ensues, someone will get grease thrown on them oh, or sure. boiling hot water yeah. or possibly a hand on the griddle or something like that. Yeah, that, yeah. You know? Yeah, do you know what I want to see is the scene they run through and wreck the kitchen and then it just shows their chase. I want to see... A kitchen scene for five minutes after where it's they're like, a bunch of guys going, me, man, soup everywhere. 
It'd make a great movie. Can you imagine the pandemonium in the dining room with all the, yeah. you know, the guests like, where's, where's my food? What's, <laughs> did you ever see that Curb Your Enthusiasm where there was a disturbance in the kitchen? That was like a joke that kept uh, coming up. Oh, no, I don't think Larry so. kept not getting his food and the manager would say, I'm sorry, there was a disturbance <laughs> in the kitchen. And that's all I could think about was the idea of that foot chase right, right. through the kitchen. That was, that's how the manager would communicate that to the diners. And let me guess, it did not satisfy Larry. No, of course all. not. He went no. back and inquired further about it and, you know, got into a fight with the chef. That's funny. Yeah, of course. Uh, Travis Shemaine says, guys, he's Dream Girl. Uh, Dream Girl instant slow-mo shot. Well, that's the Fast Times thing, right? The, sure. What's her uh, name? Phoebe uh, Cates. Phoebe Cates. Yeah, that's a classic that's scene. slow-mo. Yep. Kristen Johnson says, rooftop chases, including being able to jump from one rooftop to the other uh, without any problem. Yeah. And maybe you get like a cliffhanger where they don't quite make it. Or yeah. they end up holding on and having to pull themselves up just to keep the tension going. Well, the cruise, you know, does many of his own stunts. And in this new Mission Impossible movie, he does, a, there's, of course, a rooftop uh, chase. And he jumps and clearly in the movie he comes up a little short. And uh, in real life that happened. And he busted the shit out of his ankle mm-hmm. yeah, on the that. side of the building. Mm-hmm. Like I saw a video that sort of detailed that. Oof. But they used that shot in the movie because it's real. Why, why Tom Cruise? Why do, why do that? What do you have to prove? Is it that much more believable or, like, you know, enjoyable to the audience than with a stunt double? Yeah. You really think so? <laughs> I got to Because there's man, no cutaways, maybe? Is I, that? I, I think there's a special – that's one of the special things for me with those Mission Impossible movies is when I see Tom Cruise hanging from a helicopter, I know he's hanging from a helicopter. He's rigged up to the – you know, from here to Sunday. Sure. Of course, but it's uh, – I don't know. It makes a difference. It's not CG. It's not some weird guy with a bad wig. Do you think it's the Scientology that gives him all that courage? All that power, no. 100%. We got to get some of that Scientology power. It's going to cost you, bro. (laughs) All right. Let's do do two more. Ash Glover says, uh, great hair, Ash, by the way. Uh, The check the fridge for food moment. You find Chinese. (laughs) What do you do? You eat it? No, you smell it. Oh, you smell it. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Every time you make a gross face, shrug, and eat it anyway. That's a very 80s kind of thing, that's though, I think. That's very specific, Ash. Well, that's a good one, I though. can picture it now, but I can't tell you where. But I'm sure that's what makes it a trope, though, right? Yeah, it's yeah. just in, it's the, in the zeitgeist. Exactly. You know? It's like, who did that? 30% of movies. <laughs> I'm going to Google sniffing Chinese food. <laughs> Ooh, that might take you somewhere weird. <laughs> uh, Steve Jones, finally. Uh, we're going to finish up with Steve Joves. Oh, yeah, Joves. Excuse me, not Jones. He says... Takeout food is always Chinese food, another Chinese food one, eaten out of the carton with chopsticks. Well, because it's a very visible thing, right? And yeah. for, from your perspective, I guess, working on it, it's probably like they can get a shit ton of those in, like, props or whatever. And just yeah, have it's just, very easy. You know, they, they probably have always to. have them sitting mm-hmm. around the prop truck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You need food? All right. I got it covered. All right. So that's trope time, everyone. And I'm glad to see this movie crushers thread because uh, there are a ton of them. And we'll, we'll just keep this one going. Um, we are not going to do stream this this week because... I feel like I haven't watched anything lately. Have you that you want to talk about? I've been watching a lot of Frasier. Okay. Um, <laughs> sure. And it it, it kind of holds up. Did you not watch it back then? No, I you? never watched it. I, I enjoy it. I put it on when I go to sleep, and so I watch. I kind of know what's going on, yeah. but, like, I don't just – I don't backtrack. I just, there's so many of them right. that I'll watch, like, two, and then the third one will come on or it'll play all night, and yeah. then I'll be, like, four behind, but I'll just keep going. Yeah. So I'm kind of missing whole gaps in, you know, the exploits of Frasier and Niles. That's and, okay, though. You know, Daphne, that whole yeah, shit show romance. Yeah. No, it's good stuff, though. I enjoy it. I think they're rebooting that show is what I heard. I did hear that. Yeah. Interesting. I watched Frasier uh, some 
it wasn't like I, I enjoyed it, but I wasn't. It wasn't one of the shows that like I watched all the episodes. I think I just like it because it's relatively even and kind of calming. Sure. It's good. It's sort of like Bob Ross, you know. Yeah, man, that that apartment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sitting around the recliner. That's yeah. about all they do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you relate too with the the sound studios and stuff. Mm-hmm. I do. You know what? Maybe I see a little of Doctor Fraser Crane in myself, Chuck. You're my Roz. Or wait, I would be your Roz. So Roz is his producer, but were they married at some point? Or does that is that not a thing? Am I? I think no. I okay. think uh, the unrequited kind of like maybe like do they I get together know. Did eventually? They even have sexual tension? No. I it was well, I, well, there was one conversation I remember where he says he wished Roz had been attracted to him or something oh. like that. But it may have just been a little tossed off psycho babble moment, kind of. You know, I don't Interesting. know. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Couric. I've used my podcast, Next Question, as a platform to explore the big issues we face in these crazy times. And right now, there's no crazier time and no bigger issue than the coronavirus, which is why we're switching gears and pushing our regular reported episodes to the summer. In the meantime, we're going to stay focused on the coronavirus, talking to the experts so you can really understand what's going on. I know it's overwhelming, but we can get through this together. You can listen to Next Question on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. We want you to know that we are here for you. All right, we're going to end with uh, questions in our comment card section, everybody. I asked for questions, and you provided in spades. And again, I think I might just print these out, or uh, not print them out, but just save this thread and keep going with it. All right, we're going to do five questions. First one is from uh, Rebecca Rube, and Rebecca is the best. She is very active on the page, and we park our cars in the same garage taste-wise, and she's gotten my back against... uh, The hordes, the internet hordes? (laughs) No, everyone's usually pretty nice, but there have been a couple of people that were a little snippy. And Rebecca always comes in there and sweeps up. Right on. Which is nice. That's good. <laughs> Rex shop, as they say. I like having a little pit bull at my side. So thanks, Rebecca. She says, a technology apocalypse has occurred. The new world, oh, I love these questions. The new world has either only movie theaters and no TVs or personal viewing devices, or there are no theaters and only home TVs. Which world would you rather survive in? And I'm assuming, Rebecca, in this case, you mean the theaters still work as theaters. So to watch anything, you would have to go to a theater and pay money and get in and watch a thing. Yeah. I mean, otherwise, otherwise, why would you not choose that if you could have both, right? Right. Because isn't the second option that you only can watch at home, but there's no more theater, theatrical screenings or viewings that we're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was, I think technology apocalypse is the key word. I was thinking just apocalypse. And there are, like, these bombed-out movie so, theaters. So there's this, like, <laughs> very specific apocalypse that only destroys TVs yes. or only destroys movie it's theaters. It's a thought experiment. I no. like it. No, I'm into it. So I would for sure pick uh, – I mean, I would hate to say it, but I would sure say no movie theaters and, and TVs because you could get a giant TV and set up a nice home theater Yeah, and, and surely it's dangerous to go outside, Chuck. I mean, <laughs> it's like you get a, Nothing works. you're going to brave the Mad Max, like, streets to go to the fucking movie theater to see yeah. some second run, like, thing. I mean, what, and, what, and what media is still around? I, I have a lot of questions. <laughs> well, I sure. have a lot of questions, but, yeah, I'm definitely with you on that. I, you know, 
And, and are we talking about like a future where we got full wall TVs maybe, like where they like in 1984 or maybe. Fahrenheit 451? Yeah, so who needs a movie theater? Mm-hmm. I'm with, I'm with I'm, I see, I like the uh, question though. I get it. All right, Don Barnhart says, popcorn, colon, acceptable in movie theaters during all movies or just popcorn movie genres? Uh, she said, the reason she asked is I had a hard, I uh, received a hard disapproving stare for quietly eating, not even chomping popcorn. While watching Melancholia in the theater. Well, of course you're going to get looks at the mo- that kind of movie. That's funny. No, that's really funny. Initially, my thought was, that's absurd. You should be able to eat popcorn oh, anytime. Same here. Now I'm thinking about Melancholia and someone eating popcorn next to me. Yeah. That might be a little distracting. Did I, did I tell you I got yelled at for, like, looking at my phone before the movie even started when I went to, like, an art house screening here in Atlanta? Uh-huh. Of, uh, oh, it was um, a, a fantastic Tarkovsky movie called Stalker. And, uh, and it was yeah. packed. It was, like, uh-huh. really, I was surprised. And, like, the movie was just starting, and I had, like, lost the pal that I was with, and I was just checking to see if they were here or not. And I pulled out my phone for one second, and the guy next to me, like, looked at me and made uh, the really? movie, it was like Before the, the movie started. The lights had just gone down. Oh, I was checking it like wow. instantaneously. You're on the fringe. Though. I was on the fringe, <laughs> yeah. But no, popcorn at uh, really quiet movies. Like, um, have you seen A Ghost Story? Oh, not yet. There are parts of that movie I that really are just dead that. quiet. Yeah. And like I could see the – even like when uh-huh. you're trying to eat quietly – yeah. It's almost worse, you know? I don't know. <laughs> you know, Josh is uh, buddies with what, the producer of A Ghost Story, uh, Toby Halbricks. Mm-hmm. He works with that director, um, David Lowry, for all his movies. Yeah, I really liked it a lot. Yeah, There's, I met Toby's a nice very guy. Very interesting guy. Uh, and by the way, jumping back to the guy who gave you the look, that may have been a, like, are you going to be a problem, sir? Look. Yeah, but then I felt like I had like, to be on I my best. I had to be you? on my best behavior, like for the whole. And it was a long ass movie too. It was um, a bit of a preemptive strike. It really part. was. I thought he, you know, give me a little credit, man. I'm I'm trying to get it in. I had just sat down, but um, oh, it was funny though when I saw the ghost story. It was like this is another pet peeve. It's similar. If the movie next to a really quiet art movie is like fucking. Um, Transformers 6 and there's yeah. all this like bass rumble coming uh, through yeah, yeah. during these like quiet parts yeah. of the movie you really hear that sometimes it was that was really bad yeah I agree that's a that's that's no good uh, they should I wonder if they take that into consideration well you would think they did but like like I said when I saw a ghost story it was definitely it was baby driver that was next door right. so there's just all kinds sure. of peeling out squealing Music. sounds and yeah alright question three uh, this is from Sue Hayden Reams, Chuck, would you ever do a show about your time and career in Hollywood? I think uh, listeners would enjoy that. And Noel, what jobs have you had prior to podcasting? Uh, let me chime in real quick and just say, eh, I kind of feel like I talk about that a lot here and there. So maybe not. But Noel, where did you come from? Where did I come from? Well, and, I am. Um... I'm going to have you on as a guest too, by the way. <laughs> okay, I'll do so it. Maybe. I'll... Uh, that's like a that's, real guest. Yeah, man. Oh, wow. So don't I, get I'm too honored. Detailed. I'm honored. No, I just uh, I, I'm the I'm the son of the two opera singers and um, grew up playing violin and went to school for college for like communications and got a job working for public radio and uh, did like NPR type stories for a while and yeah. made a documentary um, for my senior thesis and got into some film festivals and ended up doing this radio thing and kind of getting here kind of via that yeah. path, I guess. So it's weird. I'm one of All the few right. people that went to school for communications that sort of works in communications. See, everyone, that's called a teaser. Save the rest, Noel. All right, save it. Uh, 
All right, uh, let's do, what are we on? Let's do two more. Jay Fraser says, uh, what's your opinion on people who order hot food at the movies? All right, well, that's, uh, that was actually going to be a poll question that I didn't do, so I'm glad you asked. And he's saying, like, nachos or a burrito or something, um, but I was thinking more in the terms of uh, the places that actually sell the, the dinner. right. Like tea, like Friday's level food. Yeah, what are they called? Dine in uh, movie places. Yeah, well, there's like around this movie tavern around here yeah. and some places like that. Do you that. like those places? Well, I mean, I, there's one that I used to go to a reasonable amount because of where it was. And um, no, because the system's always bad because the, someone always ends up coming in after bringing the, the food and after the movie starts. And there's like the buzzers. There's a whole litany of distractions that, that, can, that can be involved. I'm with you. In, I don't you love know? it. Like uh, I've done it before. And if you go early enough and get your meal in, it's fine. But, like, I don't need to eat chicken wings while I'm watching the first third of a movie. And do you really want to be sitting next to someone eating no. chicken wings? Oh, that's even worse. Yeah, it's bad. I think, I think that's, a, that's a solid against it. Yeah. As far as nachos and the things they sell there. What about a hot dog? You draw the – is that – we can <laughs> – I don't eat that stuff in the theater, but um, – Would you begrudge someone a hot dog at the movie? No, show? no, okay. of course not. All right. Have your hot dog. We, we draw the line at chicken fingers, though, <laughs> or chicken wings. All right, and finally, uh, Ben at McVitie, there's a lot of classic films that were flops when they were released. Uh, what unpopular film from the past decade do you hope will one day be regarded as a classic? All right, for that question, uh, I needed to just do a quick search of 10 movie flops of this decade, and I see The Spirit. I'm going to say, who cares? Grindhouse. I don't know if that will be regarded as a classic. Yeah, it was kind of uh, kind of forgettable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, People do like Death Proof, but I've never quite seen the appeal. I've never watched it more than the time I saw it in the theater. Yeah. Rollerball? I didn't even know they remade that. That's how little I that registered with me. Uh, the Invasion, starring Nicole Kidman. Uh, no. Catwoman, no. Uh, Geely, oh, Land of the Lost, no. Battlefield Earth. <laughs> well, some of those have come back as, like, cult favorites. Maybe or, Battlefield uh, Earth, good. Well, maybe to hate. So bad it's good. So bad it's good, yeah. All right. I guess that's not really an answer. But. I, don't, I don't think people are watching Battlefield <laughs> Earth on purpose, though. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Ben, for the question. I wish we had a better, uh, more satisfying answer than that. That is it for this week, everybody. Thank you, Noel. You're welcome, Chuck. You're welcome, world, for, from Noel. I didn't say all that. <laughs> all right, so uh, your homework this week, everybody, is to carve out four hours of a night. Uh, get the get in front of the largest TV you can and watch the movie Lawrence of Arabia. Four hours, huh? Close to it. That's asking a lot in these like modern 220 times. 220-something minutes. That's pretty good, though. <laughs> I've never seen it. I'm such a... Bad... I hadn't seen it. Yeah. It was on my list, and... Uh, I, I told uh, Chris Weitz is my guest, um, uh, writer, producer, director. About a boy, right? Oh, yeah. American Pie is where he got to start. No way. Yeah, and then uh, he and his brother, and then he's been doing, that really got a lot of collateral, and he's been doing really interesting things. He he was a writer on Rogue One. Interesting. He has uh, did About a Boy. He's produced things. He's just, he's great. And he was a very nice guy. So we talked about Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, it was really cool to talk to such a big-time director and uh, had some cool insight. I wish we would have been in person. That was the only bummer. It was a remote recording. But Lawrence of Arabia was awesome. That's your homework for this week. Uh, watch it and enjoy it because it is one of the uh, best movies of all time. For you sure. You think that already, just having seen it the once and talked it's, about it. I mean, it's regarded as such, and 
I, I can easily feel see why it's a top 10 film. Pretty strong. Okay. I'm going to have to I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my homework this week, too. Yeah. Very special movie. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. This is uh, Jake Brennan from the Disgraceland podcast, and I want to quickly tell you about a show I'm executive producing called Dear Young Rocker. This is a music-driven podcast memoir by my friend Chelsea Urson. Chelsea takes us on a journey through her formative years, and together we relive the experience of being a teenager in a way that's raw, real, and instantly relatable. That's right, all the anxiety, awkwardness, insecurity, and formative weirdness that we all felt at one time or another growing up. If you love music and ever felt a little out of place, I have a feeling you're going to love this show. Dear Young Rocker is also set to a nostalgia-inducing soundtrack that will inspire you to pull out those albums from the 90s and the early 2000s. The first few episodes are available now, so search Dear Young Rocker wherever you listen to podcasts and give it a listen. I'm Hugh Atchison. I'm a chef, a restaurateur, a traveler, and now I'm the host of The Passenger. People ask me all the time, you know, what's that list of places to go in this city, in that city? And this show is dedicated to that idea, immersing yourself in that culture and finding out what's intriguing and what resounds and what we think about the future of that place as a visitor, as a passenger. Subscribe now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.